Welcome to Radio by Jack Roberts. It is our mission to bring you inspired conversations with the world's inspired minds. We host wide-ranging discussions on business, entrepreneurship, health, wellness, mindset, and much more. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Our guest today is Max Gomez. 12 months ago, Max co-founded Breathwork. Breathwork evolved in Max's mind after a series of events that sent his life spiraling towards depression, a story that is not uncommon with many young men and women around this country. Max has recommended meditation to calm his mind, but every time he sat still, it was hard to focus with the dark clouds of anxiety circling. That is when he discovered Breathwork. Breathwork became the remote control to Max's nervous system, allowing him to take control of his life again. Breathwork's mission as a business is to empower people to control their minds and bodies. Bringing these powerful healing tools into everyday lives is something that Max and his team are incredibly passionate about. Breathwork has had a meteoric rise being hot property in the venture capital space, featuring in Vogue and Goop magazines, as well as currently accruing approximately a thousand new users every single day. I cannot help but think, however, it is Max's team and his commitment to genuinely helping people with their everyday lives that is the real driver of such incredible growth. Max, welcome to radio. Jack, thank you for having me. Those are uh, very kind words. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I guess I like to, um, I guess my, my journey, like with, with your platform, I by chance came across Breathwork in, um, in the app store and then we sort of connected through Instagram and, um, and a few other things. And I, I guess that final piece of the intro around your passion and, and commitment um, has just blown me away in every, um, you know, in every conversation we've had. So they're real heartfelt words and having used the product now for, um, you know, close to a month and a half, um, you know, it's a, it's a really, it's a game, it's been a game changer for me. Um, and I'm sure it's something that's helping a lot of people, but again, it's come across in our conversations every single time, how passionate you are and how passionate the team is about sort of getting the message about breathwork out there. Um, and obviously the platform's a, a great way to do it, but to take me back a little bit, uh, when was the first time you ever did a, a breathwork experience and how did that come about? Yeah. So to take you back about my story about how I started and really found what breathwork could do for me was, you know, at one of the lowest points in my life. So, you know, I'll take you back. I moved across the country to go to college, um, went to college, studied neuroscience, at the University of Southern California, got a minor in entrepreneurship. And once I graduated, um, I actually worked as a chief product officer at a startup and, you know, things were going well, I had, you know, um, a girlfriend at the time, I had this amazing job, and I was, you know, generally thought that I had life figured out. Um, but then, you know, life happens every now and then, and everything just kind of turned upside down. So the loss of a close loved one, the loss of a relationship, and the loss of a job, all within the span of three months, really sent me like kind of spiraling out of control. And no, I had, I had this lack of control over my mind and my body, and it just really stirred up this really bad anxiety, which kind of led more towards depression later on. And um, it was this completely powerless feeling in my life, and I just knew that I needed to go and get help for that, and I needed to, to see what my options were. So I was fortunate enough to have health insurance that led me to get a really good therapist at the time. And I went to go see him. And one of the first things he tried to teach me after realizing that 
know, there was some work to be done was meditation. And, you know, as many people know, meditation is a pretty tough practice to pick up on. Um, you know, med- when you go to meditate the first time, it's like running a 5k without ever you know, getting off the couch. It's, it's a long journey. It's not easy. Um, and it really takes some practice getting used to, but for me and my anxious mind, I really couldn't sit there and meditate. It was just something that took, um, that took, took too long to feel the benefits from. And I was always wondering if I was doing it right. My mind was just racing all the time. So the second thing he taught me was actually breathing exercises. And I remember sitting on his couch, which is this comfortable couch in a therapist office, like you, you know, kind of imagine it in your mind and him taking me through, yeah, I'm laying back on this couch, you know, talking about our feelings and he's just takes you through this exercise and he called it a balloon breath. And the way to do it was something where you inhale through your nose into your stomach then exhale and you visualize that whole process coming in. And it within 15 to 30 seconds, um, I was already starting to feel like my anxiety was, was lessening. Um, I felt like I had more power and control over my body and my mind. And it was just something that was so alleviating for me that I'm like, whoa, I didn't know that with my own breath, I can really control my mind and my body. And it was the first time in a while that I really felt like I had any kind of power over myself again. Um, you know, going from that state of powerless, of anxious, of depressed, and to really start to to feel like you can control your mind and body was was a pivotal point in my life and my recovery um, from these traumatic experiences. And, and, you know, once I was able to learn this, I started applying it every day. And I remember going every time I visited him, I was telling him how many times I was doing these breathing exercises. And I started exploring different types of breathing exercises. And then I realized that there's just so many kind of forms and types of breathing. You have Navy SEALs who do breathing. You have professional athletes who do breathing. You have neuroscientists who, who study breathing and its effects on you know, your regulation of your, um, your emotions and your nervous system. You have breathing to wake you up in the morning. You have breathing to go to sleep at night. You have breathing for high elevation training. And it was this entire world of breathing that was out there that was just so taken back by and amazed that you could do so much even more than just calm your anxiety. And it's amazing because a lot of stuff actually has a physiological effect on your body. So in certain forms and styles of breathing, you can see your blood pressure changing. And you could also um, see your brain changing too and having a different effects in your brain and different areas of your brain are activated or, or different areas of your brain are suppressed during breath work. And um, I was always the type of person who wanted to understand why things happen. So I dove into the science of that. And it was just an amazing um, experience to really learn that there's just so much out there with breathing. Obviously the next step from there, uh, well, there's a few steps in between, but, um, the breathwork product itself at the moment is an app, which is available, you know, through the app store and, um, obviously on Android as well. Um, why did you think the world needed a breathwork app? Why was that the best medium um, for you to go down, I guess, to share the knowledge of breathwork? Yeah. So funny enough, I just thought app because it was something that, well, there's a story behind this. So I am working as a chief product officer at this company and I get an anxiety attack from my boss because he was kind of notorious for keeping people on edge. And it was right before he went on vacation and um, I get this anxiety attack from that. And I go to the app store right after, after doing some breath work myself to, to see if anyone else was creating an app around breathing and breath work. 
And to my surprise, there was really nothing out there. Um, you know, we've all heard the giant meditation apps like Calm and Headspace and Stop, Rethink, but um, there was nothing just based around primarily breath alone. And that was really shocking to me. And I saw that as a huge opportunity. So that day, I'm like, you know what? I My boss is on vacation for two weeks. I don't like this job anyways. I'm just going to see if maybe I can put together, um, you know, a breathwork app within these two weeks. And maybe I'll, I'll pitch it to some friends or find somebody who wants to do it with me. But, you know, attacking the market and, and, and you know, scaling something. An app is a really easy way to to go and scale a product or just go and scale an idea because, you don't have to ship it. You don't have to worry about warehouse. You don't have to worry about an extreme amount of employees. Um, it's pretty It's pretty simple and straightforward. But because it is like that, you know, apps can get lost on the app store and people won't discover them or won't find them if they're not done properly. So when I went on this whole journey of, of creating this app, I really obsessed about making it as perfect and easy and accessible as possible. Um, you know, my design behind it was to be like a remote control because we consider, like, as you said in the beginning, breath to be the remote control to your nervous system. So when you open the app, it's like a remote control to what you want to achieve. It's as simple as possible where, you know, my grandmother can use it or a five-year-old can use it because we have the titles, everything's very benefit driven and having breath work in the app just makes so much sense because you need to have something guide you through these exercises to teach you the proper breathing and to keep you engaged the whole entire time. Um, a lot of these breathing exercises are based off different kinds of ratios or different kinds of um, uh, patterns of breathing or different you know, forms of different areas of breathing. Um, so it's important to have something guide you through that. I completely agree with that. Um, I guess the structure for me, you know, personally having used the application um, and also having you know, practiced, practiced yoga for a little while now, um, you know, part of the yoga practice is, is pranayama, which is breath work. Um, but the hardest thing, obviously, when you're in a class, you've been guided by an instructor. Um, you have all the tools, but to actually sit there and be disciplined and do it at home. Um, but secondly, I find one of the simplest things, I actually find the timing element of the app, that one of the best parts that you can set it. Um, every exercise has, I guess, three um, three duration settings, so like a short, medium, and a long, um, and you can set it for depending on how much time you have. Um, the exercise I did this morning, because we're recording um, early in the morning Australian time, <laughs> but Max is um, <laughs> Max is sitting in uh, somewhere around Los Angeles at the moment, um, so we're on slightly different time zones. So I just did a forty-second um, awake. Um, breathwork exercise rather than I normally do a three round of the, um, of the sort of the Wim Hof based energize, um, energize section, but basically 40 seconds got me in the zone, um, but also kept me accountable that same 40 seconds. I think then it goes to, uh, is it something like a minute 20 mm -hmm. and then there's like a, a, a little bit over a two minute version. Yeah. Is that right? Something like that. Um, but basically just having something there that times you and keeps you accountable to the practice that you're doing, I think is a huge asset for, the, the breathing parts, the, the easy bit, it comes very, very naturally, but it's the accountability. I think the app builds so well. Yeah. And that's one thing with breath work you can do that you really can't do with meditation. You With breath work, um, you really can feel the effects pretty immediately. Um, you know, within, like you said, within seconds to, to minutes, you can achieve what you want to achieve physiologically and the reaction happens in your body pretty quickly. Um, but having people at these certain time intervals is it's important to keep them retained in it too. So if you just learned, you know, a four, six breathing, that's to calm anxiety, or you learned, um, you know, the awake breath, which is a six inhale, two exhale, 
to help you wake up in the morning, you, you know, can do that. But if you're not doing that properly at the correct ratio for a, a set period of time, then you're probably not going to achieve the maximum benefit you can from it. So we put those times there just to show also people that, hey, you could do this exercise within one to two minutes and feel benefits right away. Like, why not spend a minute just doing it? Like, you're already breathing as it is. So why not optimize your breath and, and take advantage of that in a short period of time? And then we also show that, hey, if you do that for a long period of time, you could start to stay in that state for even longer. Um, you know, the awake breath is some people compare it to like drinking a cup of coffee. Um, like you feel way more awake and alert. Um, but if you do it for longer, it's like having more cups of coffee. And that's the way that we see it. Like everything builds on top of each other, um, the longer you do it for, but you know, we don't want to draw people away because we don't want people to think you need to do it for this long in order to feel an effect. You could do it for a short period of time and still get that desired effect. I think the cup of coffee analogy is an excellent one because I gave up, I gave up drinking caffeine probably almost close to, um, probably almost close to a year ago now. I haven't really kept track of it, but um, I just found physiologically it really unsettled me during the day and affected my sleep and a lot of things. So um, obviously it means that getting that boost in the morning has to come from somewhere else. Um, and and for me, like breath work has been, over the last month, has been instrumental in just giving me that kickstart in the morning. Um, you know, I was aware of a lot of the, a lot of the exercise that you have on the app. I, I was aware of through my yoga practice, but like the, the awakening breath was something I'd never used before. So it was very, um, you know, very interesting. And for 40 seconds, uh, it's literally like my cup of coffee in the morning. Um, I guess we'll just keep rolling quickly because we sort of lapped over a little bit mm -hmm. there um, around the, the sort of the, the physiological benefits of, of breath work. Um, there's obviously a lot of things going on in the body, um, but good thing you're a neuroscientist so i guess we can um we can explore that <laughs> what's exactly happening um when people tune into the breath what's going on in the brain sort of chemically and and what's happening biologically in the body um that you know creates the creates the results so instantaneously yeah. so I'll, I'll talk more about the brain and, and the body and um start there but so it's interesting we're one of the only mammals that has the ability to control our breathing consciously all other animals actually don't have the conscious ability to control their breathing. So we have this, you know, amazing one up in evolution against other animals. And, you know, we can also breathe without ever having to focus on it. So we have this breathing happening all the time. And then we also have the ability to tap into that. And what's fascinating is that with almost every single emotional state that a human can be in, there's a different breathing pattern, a different breathing depth and a breathing, breathing type for that. Um, but if we're actually able to go and manipulate that ourselves and do that breathing pattern, then we're actually able to send a response, you know, send a signal back to our brain that we're in that state of being. So you're either in a state of being and your brain tells you to breathe a certain way, or you breathe a certain way and your brain puts you into that state of being. So that's why something like um, a calming breath, which is a four second inhale and an elongated exhale by six or eight seconds, can put you in a more parasympathetic state um, if you if you understand what fight or flight or, or rest and digest is, um, sympathetic is the, the state you're in when you're in fight or flight. So you're really anxious. You're looking around. You have a high heart rate. And parasympathetic is when you're in a more rested and, and relaxed state. You're not in danger to anything. So when you breathe in a way that evokes a parasympathetic reaction, your your body just starts to go in this more calming state. Your blood 
pressure starts to go down, your heart rate starts to go down and you actually feel way more calm in that moment. And um, it, it's really fascinating that, that we're able to just do this with their, with their own breaths. And then also we're able to do on the flip side on energizing. So we're also able to you know, evoke a, a more sympathetic state. So something like the awake breath is definitely way more stimulating and, and awakening. And that's the state that you breathe in when you're actually in a more hyper energetic focused state. You, you mimic the state of breathing when you're um, you know, really focused or really, um, um, really energized. And then you're able to send that signal back to your brain, which goes back to your body and helps you be in a more sympathetic state. Um, so it's, it's really like you're fooling your body to think you're, you're in a certain state of being when you're actually not. And that's able to help you gain that state of being. And then over time, um, let's say if someone who's highly anxious all the time and you know, is always biting their nails or breathing shallowly, if you start to practice more um, of a parasympathetic way of breathing, then their body starts to follow that and they're able to you know, kind of get over their anxiety over time. And by building a daily practice of breathing in the parasympathetic way, we're able to retrain our brain to breathe that way for longer and for more time. So we're no longer you know, always anxious or always nervous or always stressed out. We're able to really help ground ourselves with our breath. I think the long-term benefits are obviously very interesting. Um, some, it's something that's very hard to translate, um, I guess, on day one of using a product. Um, but the instantaneous effect that you get from breath work, I think, makes it so um, – it, it's such a great hook and it really gets people into it so then they can start to, I guess, experience the long-term benefits with time. I know uh, – well, I've noticed definitely, like, I, I do a lot more. I used to – breathe through my mouth a lot um probably just a bad habit um that i developed as a child but now i pretty much predominantly breathe through my nose all the time because of breathwork practices because of pranayama because of a lot of things um that that i've worked on but you actually can't you've got the neuroplasticity um to remap your own breathing patterns which i find incredibly interesting um and i think is incredibly interesting news to someone with anxiety or, or, um, or depression or just generally feeling stressed out when they're at work or in a certain environment that you can actually get inside your own head and hack these, hack these not only short-term, but also mm -hmm. have a long-term, um, you know, a long-term effect. Um, one of the other things you did build into the app just quickly while we're there, which I guess probably also speaks to the psychology of, of keeping people coming back and making sure that they do get the long-term benefits. Um, you've got the levels um, and the streak, um, which basically, you know, you, the volume of breaths you complete on the app, you can level up. Um, and then it obviously tracks the amount of days, you know, recurring that you do on the app. So you can sort of challenge your friends and the like of that. Why was gamification such an important part um, of the app for you? Yeah, well, it's just because with building habits, they're really hard and they're really tough to build habits. And no matter how good a practice is like yoga or meditation or breath work, it still takes some time to learn. So we thought the best way to keep people hooked and maintain this healthy habit is to you know, gamify it, to give people points, to give people rewards, and to make people feel happy that they have something to look you know, forward to and come back to this app and see their progress over time. Um, you know, It's great when you stick to something and you get to see your progress over time. Like I love my Nike uh, running app and I love seeing how many you know, miles I run this past month or this past week. And it's very addicting and entertaining for me and it actually keeps me more motivated to come back. And we thought that by adding this gamification into the application, we could help motivate people to come back and to build these healthy habits. And 
surprisingly enough, like I love that you brought this question up because we're actually launching a feature next week called Daily Habits. And these daily habits are based off practices that we work on with experts and within the team internally to create these habits that these times of day that you do an exercise to help evoke a certain reaction. So we're creating daily habits for people with high anxiety to come and breathe at certain intervals throughout the day to help them retrain their bodies to breathe in a more parasympathetic way. We're also doing um, kinds of, of daily habits for people who want to increase their endurance or, or tolerance to cold. Um, certain exercises that help you tolerate cold or tolerate high elevation um, um, situations. And then we're also working with a Navy SEAL to create, you know, breathe like a Navy SEAL and what that day looks like for him. And you could go and follow this Navy SEAL's breathing exercises that he does throughout the day um, and build these habits based upon stuff and programs that are already out there. And we think that's going to be another exciting feature. And we, we hope to see a lot of people following different daily habits um, upon that too. I'm very excited to try it out. Um, let me <laughs> let me tell you that I think um, I think the Navy Seal one will get a get a good run, and I'm you know I'm not afraid of the occasional Wim Hof and a little bit of uh, a little bit of cold <laughs> exposure as well. So I think there's a couple there for me um, <laughs> as a starting point. Um, we spoke last week uh, on the phone um, and just sort of caught up and discussed all things breathwork, and um, you took me through sort of the first 30 seconds that you met your co-founder, Addie Connor, mm -hmm. last week. Um, I went and did some research um, based off what you told me as well. Um, turns out that Addie is, would marketing and advertising ninja be the best, <laughs> like, the best yeah. phrase? Um, genius. track record <laughs> in that space is incredible. Yeah, genius <laughs> is very, a very fair word. Um, take take the audience through the, the moment that you met and the synergy that you yeah, shared. Yeah, it was, you know, an amazing, amazing story and I love telling it. But um, before we were talking about how I spent those two weeks with my boss on vacation creating this prototype and this app um, and seeing if I'll run to someone, surprisingly, at the end of those two weeks, I ran into my co-founder very randomly, a mutual connection between both of us wanted us to just come over and brainstorm ideas. Um, she told me, hey, this is my friend, Addie. She's built these amazing advertising companies before. She was sat on the product council at Facebook. She used to work at Twitter. And I'm like, yeah, I, I want to meet Addie. She sounds cool. So I go over to her house and I meet Addie. And I had my laptop with me and I was already working on breath work. So I wanted to show her what I was doing. So I'm like, hey, Addie, check this out. So I showed Addie, um, you know, the, the pitch deck I put together for Breathwork and the prototype. And within like 45 seconds of me showing it to her, she's like, do you want to partner with me on this? And I'm like, yes, let's do it. This sounds like a great opportunity. Like you were very well respected. You're an absolute genius. I, I'll love to work with you. And within a couple of seconds after that, she pulls out her phone and shows me that one of the top notes in her phone was create a Breathwork app. So she was thinking of the same exact thing at the same exact time as me. And the fact that we met on that day just continues to blow my mind and some shivers down my spine every time I think about it. But just forever grateful that that happened and that, you know, she decided to show up that day and I decided to show up that day and that we both had this amazing energy for it. And, you know, we met in August of 2019 and we launched the app. Um, you know, in November 2019. So not a lot of time, just we, we met and we started to get this thing going. We're like, all right, let's just do this. I remember, you know, a week after we met, we incorporated the company and then we started getting developed right away and then started marketing and advertising and starting to build the team and our network and our connections. And we were able to work so quickly because we just have such, you know, great 
um, synergy between us. And, you know, she's great at things that I'm terrible at and I'm good at things that she doesn't understand. And it's just great working relationship that we have that continues to move us forward. But I think one testament to our relationship is we really try to, you know, be as objective as possible when making decisions and thinking through things. We want to get as many opinions as possible. We want to let the data decide things. We don't want to like let our egos get in the way and uh, of things. And that's the, that's the, you know, I think the best way to work with a co-founder is to just find someone who, you know, you both have complementary um, talents. And then you also, you don't have butting heads or big egos. Like I'm not tied to any idea. Um, me, I just really like designing things. So I really design the style and, and the way things look. Um, but I'm not really tied to like any single idea that needs to be done my way or the highway. And she's not, she's not of that either. Um, and that's how we're able just to kind of move and, and progress so fast and, you know, kind of have this crazy growth, like you were saying before, um, a thousand new installs a day, which is just mind blowing to think about. Um, total, total audience wise, I know you've been posting a little bit on your Instagram as you tick over the milestones. Um, what are you at? So currently? we're at 63,400 users as of this, uh, as of five minutes ago, <laughs> I can see it on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the real time data. Um, and what are we, the 18th of April? So November we're, we're what five yeah, months in? Not, not very long in. And, um, you know, we really haven't been advertising it that much. Um, 87% of our users are actually coming organically. So they're just finding us through our Instagram, through our TikTok, um, just by searching Breathwork on the App Store or searching Breathwork online or finding us in an article. So we're extremely grateful that we didn't have to pay for these people to come and find out about us. They were able to find us on their own. Breathwork has struck a chord with our generation, in particularly young males. What are the issues that young men are facing that is drawing them towards using an app like Breathwork? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of issues that young men face. Um, I think being a young male myself and you know, graduating from college or, or after high school, you, you tend to see that you're at a place in the world where you're really at the bottom of the food chain. Um, you know, you're starting your first job, um, girls usually go for older older men and you just kind of feel out of place in the world and you're finding your grounding and footing and it's a pretty it's a pretty tough time for men at this point um, these just don't feel really powerful in, in, in what they're doing and in themselves and I think that a reason why a lot of young men are finding themselves in our app is because it's just a great way to kind of alleviate these anxieties and frustrations of going through that time of being you know almost at your core life crisis um, and, and, and working through that, it's a quick and easy accessible thing that many people can do. Um, and I think that's a big reason why it kind of resonates with young men and, you know, meditation may seem like something that's too hard of a practice. It may seem like running a, you know, 5k, like I was saying before the first time you do it. So we think that because it is a quick and easy accessible practice that we're able to get these young men who, you know, are going through these, these interesting times in their lives. Very interesting. I, when we spoke, um, when we spoke last week, and we sort of talked about how the app had, had um, I guess, sort of drawn young men in a, a little bit, I guess, a little bit more easier than than young women initially. Obviously, um, you know, you're only five months old. Yeah. As as we track with time, I guess we'll probably see that even out a little bit, um, as typically, uh, you know, typically audiences start to sort of end up around. 
you know, sort of 50-50 or sort of 40-60 kind of thing. Um, from the, I, I guess, from the female perspective, um, what do you think the, you know, what do you think the benefits are on, on that side of the puzzle as well? Obviously, young men are working through this kind of, um, you probably like the whole ego kind of crisis that's happening and then work and everything that's going on. Um, but you're obviously also attracting, you know, young female users. Um, I think we spoke initially about you maybe thinking that one of the core audiences would be more sort of like the middle-aged female um, audience, which has probably been more traditional of like yoga mm-hmm. and practices like that. But you actually have found that it's generally, you know, generally teared yeah. a little bit younger. Um, what do you think is drawing sort of the younger females? Yeah, well, I think it's just younger in general. Uh, I think one thing about the younger generations is we're so used to everything being kind of more instant and instant gratification is, is out there and everywhere you look. You know, we're, if we're bored for a second, we go and grab our phone and find something entertaining to, to get away from that boredom. And I think what Breathwork does is it's just something that's so easy and so quick when you when you do it that it just makes sense for someone younger to get that instant gratification from it and want to stick with it. Um, and even older people too, when, when, when you discover it, they, they tend to stick with it. We have pretty high retention numbers when people first download the app and continue using it um, you know, months out. So we, we think that because the, the instant gratification factor of it um, is what really makes it sticky and, and makes people use it um, more. I completely agree with that. Um, I guess to take you through my personal story about how I discovered breathwork, I do this thing about once a quarter where I go on the app store um, and I don't know, the app store's probably got an algorithm that <laughs> feeds me things I like anyway, but um, <laughs> I go on and, you know, I sort of go through like the trending sort of top 30 apps across a very wide range of, of things. I'm, you know, sort of relatively interested in health and fitness, um, business, entrepreneurship, um, uh, obviously, you know, the breathwork yoga kind of space as well. There's always stuff getting pushed into the wellness space, I guess. Um, you know, I've used Calm and Headspace and all of those things previously as well. Productivity mm-hmm. apps, I normally <laughs> have a quick flick through. But basically, I normally end up downloading about 30 of these apps. Um, and by the start of the next download, so about a quarter later, there's typically one or two left. Um, and I can tell you the breathwork, not only have I used it pretty much every day, there's been a couple of days that I've I've missed so far just out of leading a generally busy life. Um, but it's, it's definitely staying on the phone long term. Um, and one other app that, that I downloaded the same period, which was a language app. Um, mm. I'm teaching myself a, a new language just out of, you know, sheer interest. And both of them are working on very sim, like similar principles. Um, and I think, you know, the gamification of, um, you know, of the application um, and then the instant gratification of the, you know, this language app, is, it's very interesting. It works in uh, in five minute increments, so it won't let you play for longer than five minutes. You have to take a break and go into another exercise before you come back and and learn more. And it's all based around sort of neuroscience and and getting the best out of your brain when you're learning the language. Um, and I think it's really funny that now you know developers and you know businesses like yourself are actually thinking about okay, people are you know distracted more than ever. How do we build a product that actually can engage people and satisfy that need for, for yeah. sort of instant gratification, but obviously also then build them into a long-term user of the app as well, which is not, you know, it's not instant gratification. The, the whole idea with Breathwork is about remapping, um, you know, you, the neural pathways in your brain and making, mm-hmm. <laughs> making you breathe better and your life hopefully better overall. 
but you actually access that through the you know through the portal of instant gratification yeah and i also think with that too there becomes a lot of like corporate responsibility that people must follow when creating applications um something like tiktok which is extremely extremely addicting um their algorithms like set up to be in a way where it only gives you a certain amount of uh, entertaining content followed by boring content followed by boring content and boom something really entertaining so they kind of understand like how to keep people hooked in, in the endless amounts of scrolling through TikTok and be pretty detrimental to your attention span and be very sticky and addicting. Um, so we think what we're trying to do is we're trying to make it, um, you know, habit forming for good. So we try to, we're trying to get people to build these good habits. And I think that there's a lot of responsibility behind that. We definitely don't want to oversell things that aren't working or promote things that um, could potentially hurt you if you do them too much over time. So that's definitely a huge factor that we're, we're, we always consider when, when building these things and building these features. We never want to take away from the breathwork experience or oversell people on something. To touch a little bit more on sort of the instant gratification and these states of distraction, um, Facebook and its sort of associated companies, I guess TikTok we can include in there as well, uh, which isn't owned by Facebook, but it's obviously taking up a lot more time than, um, you know, probably probably for me, definitely like a week ago, um, I've been trying to work at TikTok and, you know, um, and design marketing and advertising strategies through TikTok, so I'm immersed in it at the moment. Um, but, you know, basically the core of the question, Facebook and its associated companies are waging a war on our attention spans. Um, we live in a constant state of distraction and instant gratification now. Um, applications like Headspace and Calm obviously had their moments in the sun, you know, going back a few years now. How does Breathwork differ in creating long-lasting relationships with their users and begin to shift our collective state back towards presence? Yeah, well, um, one thing about Breathwork is that it works. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's something that's predictable that, it, that that usually works if you do it right and you do it for a good amount of time. It, it, it just works. And I think that's definitely one big thing that helps us stick out. Um, you know, going back to when I was first researching the market and understanding it more, I was just completely blown away that no one else has tried to create a company around breathing and really, you know, talk about the science and talk about the branding, talk about different use cases, talk about, you know, different kinds of moments, different kinds of people who do it. Um, no one really was doing that. And it was just so shocking to me that breathwork was something that was just skipped over. You know, there's been practices that date back thousands and thousands of years. Um, and people have been, have been learning to manipulate their breathing for so many different different kinds of, of moments in life. And it just surprised me that no one was doing it. And it just, it's just something that works and it's so simple. And I think that's it. I think because breath work was so simple, it was skipped over by most of the people who were developing these apps or developing these programs or people who um, you know, were developing this practice. It just seemed too simple to actually create a business out of. And you know, right now it's just something, it just, we need something simple. And I think that's the, that's the solution that we can provide. You know, we're always bombarded with all these different images, all these different kinds of instant dopamine hits. And I think something that's simple and something that works is just something that's heavily needed. Um, you know, even the way we design it is, is something that's, you know, everyone can see and, and understand. It's not overwhelming to use. You're not being bombarded with 20 different topics or ideas or or, or meditations or, you know, not knowing what to pick, you just go in there and you just click, you know, what channel you want to be on, what frequency you want to be at, and then you just go and do it. 
Um, and you build that over time. And I think when people get a taste of it, that's when they start to get hooked. Like we start to see people, you know, after the, they do about six breaths, they start to come back more and more over time, um, opposed to someone who doesn't even finish a full exercise. And it just goes to show that when you actually understand it and you actually feel it within your body, you tend to become hooked on it. Um, it's just something, it's just like, so it's like, it's a no brainer, you know? And that's what a lot of my friends and people I talk to about this app tell me. It's like, it's almost like a no brainer. It's like, I, I didn't know I had this within me, but now that I do, I want to do it all the time because you know, why not calm yourself down before going into a big meeting? Why not use breath work to energize yourself to go and hop in a cold pool or to wake up in the morning? Why not use it to fall back asleep if you keep tossing and turning at night? Like, why not? It just makes so much sense because you do have the power to do it. And if we think that's what's really going to you know, strike a chord when we go and you know brand it properly and talk to you know the, the world about the science behind it and talk to the world about who is doing it, we think that's what's really going to help you know, bring us mainstream and bring us um, you know, to everyone breathing. On a personal note, to take this conversation a little bit, I guess, a different direction, um, I've had a few guests on the show speak about overcoming mm-hmm. fear of failure. Um, apart from using breathing exercises to, to obviously deal with your personal anxieties and things like that, you had nine businesses before breath work. Um, take me through your journey as an entrepreneur yeah. um, and what were the <laughs> hurdles you know, psychologically or practically you had to work through to get yeah, to Yeah, I wouldn't call them businesses per se. I call them a bunch of trials, <laughs> a bunch of lessons um, is, is what they were. And, the, and they are great instructions on, on how to do things. But I think, you know, my idea of failure isn't traditional try something and fail. My idea of failure is never trying to begin with. And you fail already baseline if you never even tried. So I would rather go and try something and for it to not work out than to not try something at all. And that's always like been my thesis with things. It's either you're going to succeed or you're going to learn. And failure only exists if you don't do it at all. And that's just the way that I live and the way that I think through things and you know, even with breath work, like it's, it could potentially not work out, but I've learned so much over this time and met all these amazing people. I know that the next idea could potentially work out. Um, I mean, that's, that's worst case scenario. I don't see that happening, but um, you know, that's just the way that I view things. It's either you're going to learn something or you're going to see it go really far. And um, I think being afraid of what other people think and being afraid of, of it not working out is just, it's just not going to get you anywhere. Um, you're just going to be stuck in the same place you always were. And, you know, in order to be, in order to be, you know, what's the, what's the Dr. Seuss saying in order to be number one, you have to be odd. So like you have to be the odd person doing these things that people aren't traditionally doing. If you want to get somewhere that people weren't, aren't traditionally are at. Um, and that's just like my idea behind all of it. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's the first time I've heard that quote in a long, long time, but it's something it's something that I actually practice daily leaning into things that I think that other people leaning into things that I think other people are going to judge me for because they feel right on an intuition kind of level. Um, and then, you know, hopefully with time and with practice, you actually come out the other side and then all of a sudden, exactly. you know, is doing things <laughs> that you're yeah. doing because they see that they work. Um, you know, in, in a non egotistical kind of way, that's sort of like a nice, you know, a yeah. nice reassurance that at the start, you're always going to be criticized and you're always going to be, um, 
you know, people are going to think you're crazy. Um, and then when you turn around and you're running a successful business or, uh, you know, even you're just living a really happy and, and joy-filled life and you're doing things a little bit different to other people, people are going to start asking questions, um, you know, and they're going to start getting really interested in what you're doing because I think so many people, I guess, try and follow the the well-worn path and they find that there's nothing, you know, nothing. Yeah, there no, no one's there for, uh, um, no one's watching you through the whole entire marathon. People are only lined up at the finish line. <laughs> that's, another, that's another really really good one um yeah no it's it's bang it's actually bang on um and i guess another thing that i take out it you know i i listen to we sure. probably listen yeah. and consume you know similar content <laughs> from similar kind of people but um you know a lot of the a lot of the stuff um, on the internet at the moment from sort of, I guess, less motivational kind of speakers, but more actual, actual practitioners. Um, you know, a lot of these people are talking about no one, no one remembers your failures. Like you can go and fail a thousand times, right? No one, um, I'm trying to think of a good, like a good example of an entrepreneur that, that failed, that isn't a cliche one. Um, you know, obviously everyone can go to like the Colonel Sanders thing where he like invented KFC, you know, late, late, late in life and no one wanted to buy his recipe and then he turns into a massive business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Jack Ma, who um, who runs Alibaba, um, he, you know, was rejected and, you know, just failed that many times. And obviously Alibaba's, you know, the biggest um, or one of the biggest distributors in the world now, as far as e-com goes. Um, but no one remembers, you know, no, no one remembers any of the businesses these guys had before, any of the jobs they tried before. Um, you know, there might be one or two th- people out there that go, oh, I remember that guy, he came for an interview or whatever, but that's like such a minority, just no one thinks about that. They only think about the finish line um, and sort of where you get to. So it's a very interesting insight. The other thing I find really interesting, I guess, with your, um, your story and like in particular with that question, fear of failure has come up so many times with, with my guests and people sort of struggling to, to overcome it. Like it's their biggest hurdle. Um, and it seems like something that intuitively you sort of had that, you know, you had that knowledge that it didn't really matter and that it was all just a learning experience. Um, yet obviously there were still, you know, um, events, you know, through your journey, um, that, I guess, tips, you know, tip the scales for you and, and obviously, you know, thankfully led to you discovering breathwork and, and working through it. But I, I think it's very interesting that um, sometimes you can sort of have a, a lot of the answers that other people have or, or don't have, I should say, um, but you can still struggle with certain elements of the journey, um, you know, anxiety, depression are things that happen to any, you know, whether it's overcoming a sort of a fear of failure and that's the thing that gives you anxiety, depression or it's personal circumstances. I guess it really just speaks to the need to having these sort of health and wellness practices in our life um, as a routine and a structure and something we can, we can go back to. Of course. Yeah. And I, I think, I think a big reason why people fear failure is because they just fear the unknown. They don't know what's going to happen. And I mean, one good way to really get over your fear is just kind of capping it. It's like, you know, I, I view every meeting as almost not like jumping off of a cliff, but like, you know, on a roller coaster, you're strapped in, you're going to go through highs and lows, you know, things might not work out, but you're not going to die from it. And I think when people think of failure, you think they're going to die from it, everyone's going to hate them, their parents are going to disown them, their friends don't want to talk to them, people think the worst. And 
I just, you know, I would just love to tell people like put a cap on what your, you know, quote unquote failure is going to be because it's not going to be that bad. Like you said before, no one really pays attention to it. Like only you really care about it. So if you could just make it like more like a roller coaster and less like a life or death situation, then I think you'll just enjoy it too. I think it's very good perspective. Um, to touch on something that I guess is a little bit of a challenge in, we live in a world where obviously venture capital is a lot more prominent than probably what it was for previous generations. Um, and what that's meant is there's a lot of younger, you know, younger people in prominent positions, leading teams. Um, I guess it's a challenge for, for young people coming into a workplace and hiring employees that obviously you want the experience and you want the skill sets that these people have, um, but you inevitably have it, I guess, a little bit of an intrinsic challenge between respecting elders and things you've sort of been taught growing up um, and then actually operating a business. Um, now as an accomplished leader of a team at Breathwork, um, as a younger guy, how did you overcome the challenge of giving instruction yeah, to older I think, employees? You know, one big thing that really helped me get to this point was you know, a book by Ryan Holiday called Ego is the Enemy. And it just kind of tells you to take yourself out of it and to really put yourself in other people's perspectives and to know that you just don't know everything and it's better to listen and to respect people and also to to give ownership away of things. That's really important. I think a lot of people, when you start something, it's because they want to really control something, but you really have to know how to like make it not about me. This isn't my idea. This is our idea. And creating an ecosystem and creating a company where everyone's idea has value, where everyone feels a part of it and no one feels like they're working for someone is kind of like, I think the best way and the, the best way that I do it and the way that I think about it is that we're all doing this together. Like no one works for me. Like we all work with each other. And you know, when you're able to take your ego out of it, that's how you're able to operate and how you're able to do things and get things done. Um, you know, no one likes a boss who's, you know, you know, like helicoptering over you over every single thing you do. And no one likes a boss who makes you understand that you work under him. And, you know, I never even, I don't even feel like a, like a CEO per se or a boss of anyone. I just feel like another, you know, part of this ecosystem and I play my role and everyone else does their role. And I think that's the best way to view it. Um, just take your, take yourself out of it and look at the bigger picture and what you're actually trying to build. Did you play um, any competitive team sports when I you were played in college or soccer when I was in high school? Or football. Yeah. <laughs> I, I find it very, like, yeah. Um, just like an inter, like I guess an interplay um, that I find really interesting with what you're saying. One of the things that I've always um, I've struggled with with some of the businesses I've mm -hmm. been an employee of. When you've got a boss that is either micromanaging or um, you know constantly letting you know that they're the man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're the employee. Um, it, it, it takes me back to those environments. In like I played a lot of a lot of competitive team sports growing up, um, and those environments were always, you know, um, it was almost like vilified to be, to be the hero. Like mm -hmm. even if you were the best player on the team, it was about coming back into the change rooms and trying to build everyone else back up. Um, you know, I guess everyone secretly knows that sometimes there's, you know, someone that's a linchpin or, or carrying the team, but the whole idea was you still couldn't do it. Like it's a team sport. Even exactly. if you're the best player in the league, you're still not going to win the championship unless you can motivate your teammates. Um, and I find it, it's a really funny thing because some of the industries that I've been involved with um, in my, I guess my short 
um, entrepreneurial career and then, you know, previously as, a, as an employee, um, is professional or, or former professional sports people seem to do very, very well um, mm-hmm. in, in building some of these businesses, I think, because they have that mentality, which is exactly the same as what you just espoused. So I was just, I guess, I guess yeah, interested no. to see if that had maybe come from a, you know, a background <laughs> Funny enough, in, in no, sports I think in America, like it's like pretty opposite of the way sports teams like people like always idolize the best player and and put them on a pedestal and you know the idolized individualism in america i think it's pretty different culturally than it is um down under um i, I think you know that's what the biggest yeah. challenge and that's the biggest surprise you you know when you get a job in america is that you just feel like you're working under someone and you don't feel empowered at all you don't feel like you're part of a team you feel like you're doing it for someone and that's it's really sad to see that happen in a lot of companies. And you know, I, I had a pretty pretty bad work experience where I was always you know told I was under this person. I was always you know I was had to had to ask for their permission to like go to the bathroom. It felt like, and um, that's just not a fun environment to be in. And I feel like that's like where I got my philosophy from. You know, going through a bad experience to understand like you know try to make a good experience for what I was building. I completely, it's been one of my missions, um, you know, I'm currently working on a digital agency at the moment um, and I've got, you know, a few people working remotely um, and one of, the, one of the funniest things is a lot of these people um, have come from backgrounds of working, you know, for big design firms or big advertising firms um, and I think, you know, I think the work culture is identical between between the States and Australia. I think obviously the sporting culture seems to differ. We probably have more, um, we definitely have more mm-hmm. like tall poppy syndrome here. So you don't let anyone, someone starts getting a bit ahead of themselves. <laughs> it's everyone else's responsibility to, to pull them back down, which I think is, yeah, it, it's, it has its positives in some senses, but it can also be like extreme in, in other senses. Like I've heard stories of, of young guys like doing really, really well in business and going out and buying like mm-hmm. a dream car, you know, maybe Ferrari or, or a Lamborghini or something. Um, and, and people in Australia will like spit on, <laughs> on other yeah. people's like yeah. something they've worked really hard for at like, and, and it's a re- it's like, it's this fine line because you don't want anyone to get too big, but then there's also, it's like, no, this kid's done really, really well. Like he's built this huge business. Um, and then you've got some guy that's basically done nothing with his life. And it's just, you know, being a hater, um, sort of trying to bring him down. So I think there has to be a, a contextual line between we're not going to let you get too big for your boots because there's always someone bigger. Um, but also at the same time, respecting what people do, you know, particularly at, at any age in life, respecting what they do, but, you know, particularly young people that have been able to build a business leveraging the internet and all of the resources that, you know, they sort of have to be able to do things earlier than, than ever before um, and sort of giving them the respect they deserve, I guess, is a bit of a, I guess a bit of a problem in, in Australia. Um, but yeah, I guess getting back to culture, one of the, one of the hardest things with these guys was particularly with the work, um, the remote work thing that we're going through at the moment um, is sort of like just convincing them to almost follow their own like creative talents that they sort of keep coming back to me. And I'm like, I don't want to be a bottleneck in this process, guys. Like here's the brief, just go for it. Send me your ideas. I, obviously, you know, I, I have an obligation to my clients and I have to overlook, um, you know, I have to overlook the product that we're sending out. But I want these guys to be, um, you know, I want these guys to be the odd one out. I want them to be designing, you know, marketing and branding campaigns that are, that are ridiculous, um, that quite frankly, 
you know, maybe sometimes I look at them and I'm like, I, w- I almost want to be like offended by this or I, w- I want to be emotionally moved by this um, and I want to give you the freedom to do that. And it's interesting how these corporate environments have suppressed that within them and now it's actually hard to, like my challenge is teasing that back out of them of course, to, yeah. to sort of think for themselves and know that they're not going to be criticised and that we're all on the same team and, you know, my ideas are only as good as their ideas. Um and, you know, if I'm coming up with crazy ideas and, and throwing them out there, um, but then, you know, they're sort of just delivering B plus, you know, same as everyone else in the market kind of ideas, you're going to end up with a huge, you know, a huge gap in the team because I'm just going to become the, the person pushing and driving. And I guess it, it also becomes a, a fine line between balancing the responsibility of the business and having the right people in the business, the people that are willing to, to take those steps and take those risks, um, but yeah. also nurturing that talent when you see it. Um, how many guys have you got? Or how many people? So we have a head of product. We have someone on marketing. We have a CMO and we also have a chief innovation officer. And then we have an intern and we're probably hiring um, another person soon. And then we have an outsourced development team. Um, so it's, it's a very small team right now. But um, but like autonomy matters and trust matters so much, especially you know in bigger and small businesses. Like we have to trust the people that you're working with, um, otherwise they won't get anything done because they feel like you don't trust them and they, you need to bottleneck them. And and I've worked in you know this is more speaking of my previous working experience where I worked under someone who didn't trust me, was always asking what I was doing, was always on my back, um, you know, never gave me any autonomy and it just made me so uncomfortable and I did not produce my best work there at all. I produced pretty low quality of work from what I'm capable of doing. And I kind of use that philosophy of, hey, give people trust and autonomy and they'll give their best work all the time. And, you know, just also work with people who also care about the same thing. So, you know, it's not about my idea. It's not, it's not my company. It's, it's our vision for this mission. And that's what we're doing. And when you trust people that we all trust that we're going after the same mission, we're all playing for the same team. I think that really helps nurture some really good ideas and some really good talent um, comes out through that. I completely, you know, completely agree with you. I think nurturing is so important now as well, because I think, you know, obviously people that can work, um, you know, that can work for you are really, they're a commodity at the end of the day. And it's, it's a really um, sort of a little bit sad to say, but I guess in, in generations gone past without the internet and without, you know, um, I guess big companies like Amazon and, and Facebook and everything being instantaneous is that sort of, uh, there was a lot of people that had quite unique, um, you know, unique skill sets that they could offer. Um, and now I think there's so many places that are just becoming, I guess, really commodified. Um, I look at a lot of people leaving college and going to big um you know, big finance companies, um, which is probably more more prevalent in, yeah. in the States. You have a lot more of them than what we do here, but we sort of have like mm-hmm. a big four, um, you know, a big four accounting firms and big four loyal firms, and they absorb so many of these graduates. Um, and I was speaking to a young guy the other day who actually, um, he went to um, he went to Deloitte for a couple of years and, um, and now he's just moved to a boutique firm and he just says, I'm loving it so much. Like I was just another number in the machine and I could actually feel my, like my best work was being like held inside me by, by this big company because they wouldn't give me the freedom to do these things. Um, and now he's like, I, I actually think this kid's going to do amazing, amazing things. Um, 
that he never would have been able to do at, at this big company. And now he's at this nice boutique. He's got the freedom and, mm-hmm. um, and I guess the support of his, uh, of his colleagues to build a huge business. Inevitably for them, like on day one, he's got no equity, but he knows that if he does the right thing by those people, he's going to be rewarded as well because it's a real team environment rather than a Yeah, having someone believe in you in matters so, so much. Like my career and my trajectory of what I was doing in life, like wouldn't be the same if I didn't have the people believing me along the way. Like if in college, I didn't have the professors who, you know, said, hey, like you're good at this, like you should start your own company or I want to work with you because I think you're talented. Or if I didn't meet my co-founder who's gave me so much trust and, you know, helped nurture me and introduce me to people in her network and, you know, tell me I could do it. Like that mattered so much. Like having someone believe in you really helps you become, you know, a better person, it helps you believe in yourself. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't believe in yourself, no one's going to, else is going to believe in you. So it's having that little bit of a tipping point by having those amazing people in your life pushing you and believing you really helps you believe yourself more. And it's just, you know, an amazing, you know, it's snowballing effect because once you get some progress, you start to feel confident in yourself and then continue building off of that and you continue moving forward. And it's just so, such an amazing thing. And, you know, the people I, I, I work with now, I want to believe in all of them and, and, you know, know that they can do it and, and talk them up the best I possibly can because, there's no point of of picking out small things here and there within people. It's just not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. I guess you, you also in some senses, and I think, um, you know, we've had some very, very interesting conversations, um, around some of the challenges facing, you know, younger people. Um, and I think, you know, mentoring and, and stuff like that. It's, it's so hard to, yeah. to find a really good mentor now with, despite the internet and like this infinite access to people. Um, you know, the fact that, the fact that like, if I sat down with my grandfather and I was like, Hey, um, I started using this app on my phone and then I, you know, I posted something on Instagram and now I'm, <laughs> now I'm recording a podcast with a guy in LA <laughs> that I didn't, that I didn't know a week ago yeah. like that's that's crazy for them they have no comprehension of like how how this could be so easy for us to do um but on the flip side almost that human connection um and like proper mentorship and someone to support you and and help you grow through that you know let's call it sort of 21 21 through sort of 27 28 kind of period is is so hard to find um and I guess what I'm seeing, well, I guess from what I hear from you is you're definitely sort of repaying the, the faith that, you know, people like Addy have shown in you and the trust and support you've been given. You're actually now just in, in some sense as mentoring and giving that back to your team to allow them to, to grow and, you know, prospectively go and do their own things in the future or build your, you know, your business together um, into something so much bigger than what it would be if you weren't giving that trust and you weren't giving that um, support and guidance. Yeah. Um, to your team. Totally, yeah. Let's take it on a little bit more of a, I guess, a, a practical route and sort of um, analyze <laughs> a day in the life of Max. Um, do you have a morning? Yeah, routine so I try to wake up and, you know, I t- I'm not going to this whole crazy routine that I have. I think it's pretty, it's pretty normal. So I try to wake up and I try to shoot for at least doing a little bit of reading before touching my phone in the morning. Um, I think I told you this when we talked last, but um, I am dyslexic, so reading is pretty hard for me. But over last summer, I really sat down and taught myself how to read. And it just really helps me focus more when I do read. So I try to wake up and at least do a little bit of reading before I go on my phone. 
sometimes I can't do it. Sometimes it's hard for me. Sometimes I just go right on my phone and then, you know, start my day there. Um, but then after that, I get out of bed and then do a breathing exercise. So I would do like either the Energize or Energize 2.0 or stimulate in the morning to get up and then go take a shower, eat breakfast. And then we either have a team call or we're, you know, pitching to an investor or we're talking about like a new product feature or working on developing content and, you know, work on that for the first few hours of the day, take a lunch break. I try to, you know, within my lunch break, stretch, um, do more breathing. Um, I like to do a lot of like calming breathing, like right after lunch, because it's helped me feel like, you know, more digested and ready to get back to work after that. Um, and then I continue with the rest of my day. I, um, you know, either more meetings, depending if I have meetings or not, or I'm designing, I'm, I'm always like designing or working on product things. It's a huge, huge passion of mine. And then try to go for a run, um, get moving, get back into my body. Because when you're just in your head all day, I, you know, I consider myself a very heady, anxious person. Um, it, it can be hard to, to get into your body. So I just try to make it and force myself to do something active and force myself to, to go work out or go for a walk and do something with my body um, to, to get, um, you know, activity and to connect my body to my mind. And then after that, breathing. Um, and then at night, I, I, you know, definitely always do breathing before bed because it helps me go to sleep at night. And it hasn't really failed me since. <laughs> Do you use the sleep? Um, just the simple yeah, sleep. Yeah, the simple uh, sleep breath, breath is before bed. Yeah, you sleep or an unwind breath. Yeah. I find sleep just just so effective, and I, I I use that one all the time. And you know, I remember I think I was telling you the other day I was on a friend's couch, and it was before I actually started the app. Um, I was just doing the four seven eight breathing and got myself to fall asleep in a pretty uncomfortable position on my friend's couch. Um, so it, it works. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can definitely, um, it's one of, if I can tell you the hardest thing about breath work is I have like mm -hmm. specific favorites that I always go to. And one of the hardest things about recommending it to other people <laughs> is like for the first time, obviously I'm understanding, like, I just want them to take yeah. one breath and be like, look at this, this will help you. <laughs> but like within five seconds of me recommending it, I'm like, so at 6am you need to do the the awake breath and then you've got the calm breath for this time and like i always mm -hmm. use the the sleep breath like that's my my go to the reason i can keep the the streak going is if i miss in the morning or or i don't use it throughout the day is that simple practice you know i think it's like it's something like a minute 20 um, and then there's a two, you know, a two minute 40 version and, and a little bit over, you know, three and a half minute version of it. Um, often I'll like, depending how tired I am, even if I could literally just my head would drop onto the pillow and I'd fall asleep that night, I still make sure I take that minute and a half to do the breathing and something about it. I feel like actually gets me to sleep better than what I would if I had literally just, um, you know, finished reading or whatever I was doing and then just like dropped into bed, actually coming back to myself, mm -hmm. just like you said, with exercise, coming back to the body and coming back to myself before, before bed and having that little bit of sort of conscious awareness, which just helps me sleep that, you know, getting to that really deep sleep a little bit easier. I don't know if there's any psychology or any, um, <laughs> anything happening in my brain, any chemistry going on there, but um, I love the breath. Um, yeah, so that was, was you know, really, created really by um, Andrew Wheel, and he's a sleep doctor. And you know, I think that one was was based off the kind of breathing pattern you do when you're sleeping. 
So if you mimic the breathing pattern of when you're in a deep sleep, then you're going to start breathing like you're in a deep sleep. People who are in deep sleep breathe very, very, very slow, very deep and have a lot of pauses in between. Um, so if you mimic that pattern, then you start to go into more a sleepy sedative state. That's super interesting. It's funny because as I, as I was doing it for the first time, I definitely noticed that it felt uh, on an instinctive level, like an intuition <laughs> kind of thing. It felt like the right thing to do. Um, obviously, you know, it obviously just mirrors the, mirrors the patterns of my body when, I, when I'm not conscious and not aware of what I'm doing, um, which I guess is, you know, a super smart way to hack the, um, hack the biology. Um, you've taken us sort of through what a day in the office looks like and, and your evening, um, your evening routine. Is there anything you do with, um, with diet or anything like that, um, to keep yourself performing, obviously pitching, you know, pitching to investors and, um, and constantly working on product and exercise and, and breaths. You've got a lot on your plate. Is there anything you sort of do to keep your energy levels up throughout the day that's a little bit different? Or um, I just um, try to sort eat of work healthy and space? organic. Um, try to stay away from anything with, you know, hormones in it. Um, obviously, the, the negative side of that is that that food tends to be more expensive. Um, so I'm trying to find, you know, healthy alternatives that, to, that don't have that are organic, but like, don't have the high price behind it too. So, I mean, that's really my thing. And just, I mean, I eat eggs every morning, chicken, pasta a lot. Um, but I definitely, you know, want to be eat more healthy, um, than I am right now, but I think I'm doing a pretty good job. Uh, <laughs> I think organic's a great Yeah, place or I think start. organic is, is one of the... Um, yeah, no, I think organic is, is a really good place to start because it's, it's just easy and, you know, it's not fried. It's not in a bunch of fats and it does help you um, help you feel better. Um, you know, growing up, I used to eat, actually eat a lot of McDonald's and um, have some pretty bad gut conditions because of that. So now I'm just more conscious of what I eat and making sure that it's good for my gut. It's probably better for my brain too. Um, but then, you know, I do like, um, I do take, um, have you heard of lion's mane mushrooms? Yeah. I, so, um, I'm trying to think of where I heard about that for the first time. Talking um, yeah. maybe like Tim Ferriss's podcast or maybe Dave Asprey, something like that. Um, I've, I've never used it myself, um, but I've heard that there's amazing. Yeah. I find, I mean, I take lion's mane mushroom every single morning, um, get them on Amazon, um, just some pretty good suppliers of them on Amazon you can find. And basically it's, it's one of the only, um, like neurotropics that has neurogrowth factor in it. And it actually does show, um, um, areas in your brain growing over time. I believe it's a hippocampus that grows, which is responsible for memory. Um, and, and it shows like this growing and this, this extensive myelinization, which is increasing the fat and trans transductivity uh, between different neurons in your brain in areas of your brain. So you can actually see a, an effect that happens to people when you take lines made over time. And I could definitely, you could just tell too, like you feel like you're, you're more alert, you're on point, you can remember things that you thought you forgot. Um, but it's just so hard to really to measure and, and to measure your memory when um, you really have to ask people around you. It's like, am I actually remembering things better or is this placebo or, or what's going on? But, you know, I, I like lines man because A, I feel it and B, like I, I've seen the science behind it and I'm pretty confident that it, that it is working. I think it's a, I reckon that's a great tip. If people, people take away two things from today, um, 
breathwork, download the app. Pretty, pretty simple. Will um will really change the neuroplasticity of your brain over time. Um, and lion's mane for your um for your brain and just the benefits you get there. I think they're too. I think it really helps people out with your, yeah. your neuroscience background today as well, Max. Um, just with these little brain, these little brain tips. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've been given? Now, I think you've dropped some great, you know, some great quotes and some wisdom throughout. So <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to find the best, but something maybe you've been working with recently um, um, that you found really helped take you to the next level. It's more, it's not like a piece of advice. It was kind of just a quote. And it, it, like, it, it's a, the way you see it, you can see it in an optimistic way or a pessimistic way. But it's the quote I always think. It's like, no one really cares. <laughs> so I always take that in a way, well, it's like, you know, no one really cares if you, if you if you fail. No one really cares if you fuck up. No one really cares if, if, if this happens um, to, to you. So, like, why should you put so much pressure on yourself? And when you start to say, like, no one really cares, it's like, well, why should I care about putting this pressure on myself? Um, but that's also on the flip side of things. When no one really cares, that means you must take responsibility for yourself all the time. No one's going to hold your hand. No one's going to do it for you. You have to do it yourself. So that's the way that I view that quote when, you know, people say, when I think about it, it's like, no one really cares. It's like, you have to take the responsibility and the care in yourself. And you have to take complete, complete, you know, responsibility for everything that happens to you, whether it's your fault or not. Um, because at the end of the day, like you have to be the one who cares. And then you also have to be the one that doesn't care um, about the things that other people don't care about too. So like the negative things about life, um, the negative things about yourself, you just can't care about those things. Um, that's the way I see that quote. I definitely, I have a similar perspective on that quote. I think it's an excellent one. It's something that I've, I've come back to a few times when I'm sort of procrastinating on something like I'm sitting there and I know it's a good idea. And I'm like, you know, you just have, I don't know about you, but um, my sort of entrepreneurial tendencies probably come like more from an intuition kind of thing. Like I'll see something it was to be to be honest and not not to blow too much smoke but like when i saw breathwork for the first time i downloaded it i'm like oh this is good like i just my brain instinctively my my body responds to i can tell when a product's you know viable for the market but sometimes that you know i'll be sitting there and i'll know that i need to do something or i need to act and for whatever reason i'm not doing it and i just come back and i i just think about that quote and, I, and I'm like, no get, if I yeah, do this exactly. and it fails, <laughs> no one's going to give a shit. Like no, nobody. Um, and that's like the way it's, you know, I just use it to overcome procrastination, I guess, and, and get started. Um, what's the best book you've read recently? You obviously re- uh, mentioned um, Ryan Holiday before. Um, is there anything else that you've, you've been working through? Um, yeah, there's a couple sort of actually. Great value. Um, the war, the war of art is a great one um, I because that. I think like any entrepreneur is like an artist, and the war of art is just this great book talking about how you're always going to meet resistance to not do the work and not do what you're really capable of doing, and you're you're going to make excuses, and it just tells you about it's going to be every single day you fighting this resistance holding you back from doing your best work. And it just tells you how to face it and how to be a professional about it and how to always do the work, no matter how you're feeling, you know, whether you're having a, a good day or a bad day, just go and, and do it, get, get, like, get through it and, and, you know, get it done. Um, that's a really amazing book, the, the war of art. And then also another book that I love, um, which just helps me like think about everything about life and in society is sapiens. 
Um, it's, it's this book about just kind of the history of humans and how, you know, we're not so special as we think we are and, and how um, objective we can view things. And when you view things so objectively, you really take away their, all their glitter and all their purpose behind it. Um, and just an amazing book to really get an objective view on humans and civilization and, and just, you know, really not worry about the small things. And that's really important. And that book was really powerful for me to read. And then everything by Ryan Holiday is a huge recommendation by me. Stoicism is extremely important, um, especially if you want to do something that you could fail a lot and feel bad about yourself and not potentially work out. Um, I think stoicism is a great practice and it's something that's definitely I try to live by and I try to always be more stoic in my endeavors. It's very interesting that you bring that up because when, when we spoke on the phone last week, um, <laughs> I, Sapiens has been sitting next to, um, it's been sitting on my pile of books to read um, and it actually, uh-huh. it's sitting in, I'm, I'm reading two books at the moment, um, one by Eckhart Tolle and, um, and another, um, another fiction novel that I love to read fiction before I go to bed. Um, I That's find awesome. that it just boosts my creativity the next day. Um, but uh, just yeah, just a little hack that I've found. It might work for someone else, but um, <laughs> underneath those two books, the next one I have to read. Um, <laughs> it was going to be *Sapiens*, but I actually um, I oh, actually yes. pulled out yeah. uh, *Meditations* by Marcus Aurelius, which is obviously one of the, I guess, stoic classics. As I've started to hear more people recommending this book, I'm like, I'm going to go <laughs> sort of to like. The, the source, I guess yeah. you can't really go much older than, than a Roman emperor um, and then sort of work through stoicism from there. So I've definitely got that. I'm going to have to add, um, I'm going to have to add everything to the list, but then yeah, Sapiens is after yeah. that, basically <laughs> your recommendation as well. Um, I think some, you know, obviously for me, books are just such a, um, you know, and with audible as well, there's like no, real excuse for people obviously you touched on dyslexia before which um you know you're working through and you you know you have your challenges but you're pushing through with sort of paper books um anyway to, to train your your brain mm. but i get there's people out there I, I, I always like, encourage oh, people to, to, to sit down and read, down and read. Um, I think <laughs> like audible. that's just always been you know i i'm like and i always think about I'm like hey guys if i literally you know half the time i'm reading backwards and when i write an email it's all out of place and like i could still power my way through reading like you can do it too um, but, but audio bullet does make it easier, but when you are reading, like you are more engulfed in it, but I have heard that reading and listening at the same time is the best way to get through a book. And I haven't tried that yet, but yeah. But at the same time, so you put the so audio book on like two times speed and you read, and you read the text, the text well. at the same time. I'm, I'm going to try it too. Just, uh, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> going to try that. Um, yeah. That's, um, Addy that's and blown my told mind, me about it the other day. And, um, um, <laughs> and I'm like, I got to try that. That's, I think that's an incredible, that's another incredible tip we've come up with today. I'm definitely going to try that. Um, what will we, um, I think, yeah, one of the things mm-hmm. I do massively, I gift a lot of books um, and, you know, Amazon's great for that because I can just ship it straight to the person's <laughs> house and it arrives and surprise, you've got a book. Um, but even if they, even if they're like, oh, look, I don't read, blah, 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 I'll still go to the effort of gifting, gifting them the book because I guess in a, um, in a strange kind of sense, it's sort of, I feel like mm-hmm. a book for someone that doesn't read is a challenge because I think if you look at a book and you know there's knowledge in there and you choose not to pick it up and not to read it, even though it's a really big struggle for you, um, you almost haven't like earned yeah. what's, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Like, what's in those pages, <laughs> if that makes sense. And I think, 
<laughs> it's sort of like a bit of a challenge, like, and that's why I gift so many books because people can be quite resistive to, to, to sort of exploring new things. And I think a book's a good way to access it. Like if you can get through 300 pages of, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I sort of don't really like the genre yeah, self-help yeah. because like what really is self-help? Like I think all books are technically self-help, but you know, you can send something that's a bit more self-helpy, like, you know, whether it's relationships and communication based, or you can send something that's still self-help, but more practical, like the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, um, you know, and you send those books and if people choose to read them, um, it's sort of like that first step of action that, that gets them moving towards something else. Um, and I try and gift books that are in vain <laughs> with you know, the things people speak to me about, you know, or their problems or, or, or whatever. Um, but that's the way I, I think about sort of reading a hard copy. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I love having it, it in your hand too, to read you know, it's it's not, like the it's feeling of it, the pages and going through, through like it. A, like you feel accomplished and then you get to create an awesome bookshelf and I get to talk about it. <laughs> Oh, that's, I was just about to ask you a question on, on the bookshelf because I've been mm-hmm. really playing with this idea of um, minimalism um, and cutting a lot of things out. Like I would, I've been historically really good at buying things, um, which is a, yeah. a bad side effect of, um, of business is you can sometimes deploy your money in materialistic ways that <laughs> you wake up one day and you're like, why do I have this? Like, I don't, I don't even like, I don't need it. Um, but so I've been sort of applying that philosophy a little bit to my, um, to my life. And one of the hardest things for me is the books, because you read a book. I, there's a couple of books that I've reread, but I'm pretty good with retention. Um, I also have an excellent retention rule, um, within 48 hours. If you learn something in a book, you have to implement it. That's just like my flat out. Like, otherwise it doesn't happen. If you're like, Oh, I read this great book. And then, you're like, oh, I'll come back. I'll do that yeah. in a couple of months. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Like there's some people that have that accountability, but for most people, read it, write it down and then action it within 48 hours and then mm. you're on the way to creating a habit. Um, but typically because I'm actioning things, I just put these books on my bookshelf and they've been sitting there. I just put, I think I just put like 40 books on my bookshelf last night and this thing's full, mm. <laughs> just filling up. And I'm sort of a bit indecisive. Should I like give the books away to other people? I, I, I have think, such a, I have such a hard you know, time would get value out of them or need away. them. And when I give a book away, so this, yeah, I, I'm, I'm romantically attached, attached to my books. books. And the thing I have is, <laughs> if someone comes in my room and wants to take a book, they better fucking read it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I, I, you know, I, I've given probably two books away, and I made sure they read it, um, and they did. And they loved it. And I was so glad. That makes me so happy. But, you know, I'll buy someone a book. But, I, like, to take one of my books from, from me, you better read it. Actually, no, three people now who have given books from my bookshelf um, have all read it. Um, but, yeah, that's, like, one thing with me. It's, like, I, I love my bookshelf because it's just, like, it's almost for me, it's, like, a trophy case because, you know, I really have a hard time reading. And I only put books on it that I've actually finished reading. Um, or that I've had like read a, a decent way through. So like, I'm like, these are all, this is what I've learned. This is what I've been through. I went through all of these books cover to cover or at least almost cover to cover and they're on my shelf. And like, for me, like that's like rewarding. And I love seeing that. I love looking at my books and thinking about what's in them sometimes. So that kind of like helps me recall what was in them. Um, so that, that's why, you know, I like have my bookshelf and that's probably also why I, I don't like <laughs> giving, giving books away to people. No, I like that. And I'm, I'm a big, like I said, Amazon's the best. Amazon's the best for it. Like I bought, 
Uh, I think I bought oh, five I love the Alchemist, the Alchemist yes, last yes. year, which that is was actually the first book, book that, that I read cover to cover in my entire life, and that was um, last summer. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's a good book to start with because it's probably what it's not particularly long, but it, it's really I find that's a great book because you can take from what you can take from it what you like, um, and I you know I I didn't mm. particularly actually enjoy the book. Um, it wasn't something that it wasn't something that I loved, um, but I I was also incredibly mm. attracted to the simplicity of it, and I think that's why it makes such a great gift because you can give you can give a book like The Alchemist and someone can read it. And it can be like foundational in them changing their lives. Yeah. Like they read into the story and they read into every single part of it. Um, and then there's other people that can read it and just be like, hmm, that was a nice story about a young, you know, about a young shepherd and like, and they move on with their lives. <laughs> either way, they sort of like, they either got joy out of the book that it was a nice story yeah. or they like see the deeper meaning and then they really connect with it and it, you know, it can become a catalyst for change. So that's, um, you know, that's, but like I could have just given my copy away and been like, give it back to me and then I'll lend it to someone else. But instead yeah. I bought like five of those off Amazon <laughs> um, and sent them to different people. So, um, yeah, I think it's interesting, the book thing. Um, do you have any, are there any like things you do during the day that you would consider like mm. a little bit strange or a little bit that's out funny. there? My, uh, my co-founder says I have a lot of strange habits and stuff, but I just don't notice them because they're so normal to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know what what, what I consider strange. Um, I consider like everything. I, everything I do strange. Every every thought I have is just like I love like just going against the grain of what other people think and and being not devil's advocate, but like just showing a different opinion of things. And maybe that is strange, but I don't know. <laughs> I feel like yeah. Mm, let me ask you a, slight, a slightly different question then. Outside of like your normal routines and, and rituals and sort of how you get through the day, what's like one daily non-negotiable for, for Max that's one thing um you know I have to, my, my room has to be in order and I have to shower um if my room's not clean or if I'm not clean then my yep. life isn't clean <laughs> so that's uh that's one thing with me <laughs> I I hate to think that there's people out there that are going around not showering during the day but I'll, like <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'm like, I'm the worst um, in in Australia many, many years ago now. Well, you know, not, it's obviously such a big country, different parts of country go through a drought at different times, but we, we had a drought completely across the country and we had all these like very extreme um, water saving measures and you were like not, not allowed. Well, it was recommended that you, you know, you would only shower once a day for two minutes. Um, I probably shower, I, I, sh- I think I shower three times a day. Um, I'm not particularly long. I don't waste heaps of water, but like, it's funny for me, the showers a really great place. Um, so I completely agree with you. It's you're, like you're, really you're away great, from your phone. You're a great way to start. You have your thoughts and, and um, your mind, you're getting but... clean. <laughs> I, it's funny. I shower before I, I wake up in the morning and the first thing I, the first thing I do is run. <laughs> I actually shower before the run. So I jump up, I jump in the shower and I clean myself. I go out. Do and you ever do sweaty and cold then come back at the end of the shower? It's completely non-productive. Um, so normally, so I, this is interesting because 
I actually, so I ice bath three times a week um, and I do like, so I do my Wim Hof breathing, um, which Breathworks made it super easy for me because one of the hardest things with Wim Hof is yeah, like remembering. Yeah, sticking with it or counting and everything. Yeah. Um, so you're doing 30, I guess, <laughs> yeah, like 30 short in and out breaths um, is quite, well, they're deep breaths, but you're sort of basically, you're hyper, it's controlled hyperventilation. Um, and it's 30 and then there's some breath holds and some different things. Um, but one of the hardest things is actually keeping on track with what breath number you're up to. So breath works excellent for that because um, the app just counts away for me. So I, I normally do that about three times a week where I do the breath work combined with an ice bath. Um, so I go and buy 20 kilos of ice um, oh, wow. and I pour it <laughs> into my bathtub and I fill, fill it up with water um, and it sits somewhere between like six and nine degrees normally. Um, and I'll like sit in there for somewhere between 14 to, to 20 minutes. Um, and I get out and I feel amazing. Like I'm super sharp. Um, I actually feel happier as well, which is very interesting. Um, but I cannot for the life of me have a cold shower. That's so is, is it, I wonder, I wonder what that is. Like so how, I'll go what's different between the bath and, and the shower bath. that uh, makes that not possible. <laughs> I think for me, uh, and this, it, it's, it's just my brain tricking itself. The shower mm-hmm. is really something to be enjoyed. So the shower is very enjoyable for me. And I look forward to having a hot shower. Um, and I probably have, I, I have the water relatively warm, although I've <laughs> met people that have it considerably warmer than me. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I, I like a hot shower and I find that quite enjoyable. Um, and there's something, you know, probably mentally rewarding about that. Like after a long day, I, you know, I finish my yoga and before I go to bed, I, I go on and get in the shower and have a hot shower. It's like um, rejuvenating. Um, the ice bath is not looked on as a, as a pleasurable <laughs> experience. Yeah, it's more yeah. like this has to be done kind of thing. I guess maybe that it, in my brain, it's a delineation. I'm like, why would I <laughs> also like pulling, pulling the trigger on the shower? It's like, um, I can just ruin bath, this amazing like, experience by making it more cold by just throwing it nine degrees. Like, yeah, it's almost like, yeah, they're pulling your own trigger versus like, Correct. it's already cold at the hop in it. It's different. <laughs> it, it's for me, like the pain of the ice bath is like, you're pouring the ice in the tub, you're putting the water in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like already committed and invested to this. It's like, just get in the water. Like what is it? And of course it's like still, when you go in, you're like, Oh, it's Jesus is really cold. Um, but it's, I don't know. There's something different. Whereas when you're sitting in the, the warm shower, you're all, you know, you, you've lathered up with soap, you're feeling good, your skin feels soft. And then you have to look at the tap and just <laughs> rip it onto, yeah. rip it onto cold. It, it just doesn't quite do it for me. Um, I try to do them more. So do you use um, cold showers? I, I really find the benefit of them. I love them. But I want to start to create a habit of cold showers, actually. Um, it's one thing I, w- I want to start to do more of. But when I do do the cold showers, I do feel amazing after them. Like, it just, it just I, don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's just something about the cold wakes you up and makes you feel rejuvenated and energetic. Um, but, yeah, I definitely want to do more cold showers. Mm. That's what I get out of the baths as well. And that's why I try and do them three times a week because they're just that little like mood booster midweek on a Wednesday. You can come home from like a, you know, a pretty long day and just pour some ice in the tub and like wake up and you could feel like it was, you know, Monday morning. Again, your body like completely resets itself, which is very, very interesting. I'm not across the chemistry and, and stuff that's happening in your yeah. brain, but I assume all sorts of wonderful things are being released. I'm pretty sure it sends your body into a state of shock. Way. <laughs> um, 
and uh, that that's what does it. <laughs> I, I I'm not sure the exact science behind it, but I I've heard before that it sends your body so it's, into a state of shock. So it's like if you're really getting like a have you crazily injured before and you just don't feel any pain, it's kind of like what it does. It just sends you into. Yeah, um, I've had yeah, I've had a couple of incidents in my life where I've just had like an incredible tolerance to pain, but I've always just put that down to like, mm-hmm. um, like adrenaline and all of these things. They're all pain suppressants. They're normally meant to, you know, help. I guess after afterwards when they wear off, you start to feel yeah. the pain. But by that stage, you've normally had morphine or or something nice that we've cooked up in the hospital. Um, but um, so I, I guess what basically what you're saying is when you jump in that bath, you, your body is just releasing all these endorphins and all of these, I guess, um, probably mm-hmm. like some like almost borderline like fight or flight kind of chemicals are going in there as well. Yeah. But like, this is so cold, get me out of here. Um, but then part of the part of the brain that then's like, no, we're actually going to sit in here for like 20 minutes, probably somewhat down regulates those chemicals. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I guess I'm just hypothesizing, but I assume you actually start to get the benefits out of them rather than when we go into fight or flight and we have the response, the chemicals happen, then we run away and we remove ourselves. We actually sit there and we face you like we're facing the situation. I just caught, you said, you said you stay in okay. ice bath for 20 minutes. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yes so you sit you sit in there for a while um I, like Wim Hof I think his world record is two uh-huh. two hours an hour 56 or something or hour 59 or something like that um in like straight ice as well so um the breathing technique that that energized 2.0 on the breathwork app um you do that I then do about somewhere between 25 to 50 push-ups, depending what I've done that day um, and get the blood flowing through my body and then jump in the bath. Um, the really important thing with the Wim Hof method is you actually mm-hmm. need to get the ice over like up to your neck. So like I submerge basically everything except my face because there's a heap of, um, I don't know what they're called, but I, you know, some kind of receptors in the body that are around like the collarbones, the clavicle and, and through the neck. And once you actually submerge mm-hmm. that part, you get a really relaxing, kind of effect um whereas when you're just in when you're just in sort of with your legs and stuff like that you're sort Mm -hmm. of still a little bit almost like resisting you know resisting the cold and once you submerge you actually start to get this sort of deep relaxation kind of feeling as well which is really interesting Mm -hmm. it's cool obviously in the back (laughs) of your brain yeah get out of here (laughs) you still have this message like it's really cold in here (laughs) yeah um but yeah you you have to you do have to build up your tolerance to that. Like I just started with cold baths and then gradually added one bag, ice, two bags, ice, three bags, ice, four bags of ice. But um, yeah, that's something that, you know, you need to gradually build up to yeah. go on, get four bags of ice and try and sit in a bath for 20 <laughs> minutes straight away. You mean you're yeah, really like shivering and it's not good for your health, but, but yeah. Yeah. And that, that is one of the risks of Wim Hof and it's probably like why it's considered one of the more extreme methods to to achieve human performance but if it's done like anything if it's done in a safe you know in a safe environment and you progressively overload um the body uh, i believe from my simplistic research into it it basically it is the principle of progressive overload um but you're stressing the body you're stressing a body in the way um that it wouldn't normally be stressed and therefore it boosts um you know the the responses that you would get um (laughs) 
I guess if, if you grew up in Alaska um, and you're mm. outside and it's like getting down to 40 below, um, you're 40 degrees Celsius below, um, below zero, um, and it's really, really cold, you get used to those temperatures. But then if you go and you take that person that's grown up in Alaska and you put them in Mexico, then they're just sweating all the time. Um, I guess it's about building that that conditioning um, to, to temperature, which does a whole heap of things. Yeah, on a makes you, chemistry makes you level inside tough, your yeah. body that gives you um, benefits. Um, <laughs> being able, being able to endure cold is, is such an important yeah. thing to do. Um, and you probably you probably have a pretty strong cold tolerance now. It's it's getting there. It's getting there. Um, Max, what's something that you're currently curious, curious about? about? I feel like I'm. And, um, you know, if I'm not working or I, I really don't, it's funny. Like my friend the other day is like, Hey, let's watch a movie. And I'm like, can we watch a documentary instead? I just, I'm always like watching if I'm not watch, if I'm not, you know, reading or, or running or with friends, I'm just watching an informational YouTube video or a documentary. So I'm curious about everything from like how wasabi is made to like how different planes land and take off based off aerodynamics. Like everything is just, I'm always learning. So if anything, it's not something in particular, I'm just always curious to what's out there. So I'm always like watching a new documentary or I'm always watching, um, you know, a different YouTube video or I'm listening to Joe Rogan podcast and, you know, listen to them with interesting guests. Um, I'm just kind of curious about everything. I think there's just, there's so much out there to, to know. And I, you know, I just love the fact that I always feel like I don't really know that much. And I think it's because like when the grows, so does like the shore of it, you know, the more that you are aware that's out there, the more you're aware that, um, you know, you don't know that much. And I just always feel like with me, I'm just always in the habit of always just trying to learn more of what's out there. Um, it's, it's almost kind of dangerous. It's just so much that I'm always learning. <laughs> I think it's a great great mindset to have and a great way to approach life. Um, It's one of learning and learning and knowledge acquisition is one of my five core values. Um, It's something that I personally value very, very highly and and I'm greatly rewarded by it. Um, You know, internally something happens when I'm learning, when I'm listening to podcasts, reading books, um, things like that. So I can definitely, you know, I can definitely sympathize with you and empathize with you and, um, in the sense that there's almost something, yeah. something mind numbing about when you're not learning, but you can also, when you are <laughs> learning something, you can sit there for like two or three hours and just be like engrossed in like, you know, um, what did I watch the other day? I, I watched some guy on, I was actually on TikTok and I went onto his profile yeah. and I probably watched like 60 videos in a row. <laughs> um, and he was like growing ant farms. Um, yeah. And it wasn't like, I'm never going to be an ant farmer. So <laughs> no purpose to me, but I'm like, just really interesting. I'm watching these ants reproduce and the ants like fight each other. And like this whole thing. That sounds actually and very entertaining. I was, <laughs> I was there for way too long. Um, but you know, there was an hour of, <laughs> it's an hour of my life learning about ant farms. Um, but I find that like, you know, something and, and, you know, I'm sure one day someone will did ask you know, me yeah. about an ant and I'll be like, Oh, well, did you know? Um, so, yeah, yeah. You know, like it's just like having a yeah. random collection of knowledge sometimes can be beneficial to us as well, conversationally. I was, um, one of my favorite YouTube channels um, is Infographics, and they just talk about the infographics about everything. And it's just randomly like, and now, you know, the, the, one of the most recent things I learned is like, what happens? What's the protocol for when the Queen of, of England passes away? Like, now I know the entire protocol that happens because I'm just curious about this clickbaity title of like, 
know, what's the information about the queen of, of England? What's the protocol for when she passes away and what happens? And now I know everything that happens when that happens. And it's just a random fact of knowledge that I never thought I'd know. And probably I don't need to know, but it's now I know it. <laughs> so you in the end, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess the way I always approach things like that. Is, yeah. <laughs> what if you end up like living in London one day, or you you could even become a citizen of the UK or something, depending on 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 where things go, and like that becomes really important to you. At least you know. Yeah. At least you now know. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, if you could step into my shoes um, and ask yourself Ooh, a question, what question, question would you ask? Hmm. What do you think? your biggest challenges are moving forward? I think that'd be the question. Do you want me to answer my own question? What, what do you think? <laughs> Is that where you're going with this? Yes. <laughs> that is exactly um, where I'm going. What do you think, think your biggest you challenge know, My biggest challenge moving forward is definitely staying focused. Um, you know, it's, it's hard because sometimes you do so much work in the beginning and you feel a little bit burnt out at times. But definitely staying focused. Um, I don't lack any motivation for what I'm doing. I feel so passionate about it. But I think that's my biggest challenge moving ahead is just continuing to stay focused and, and just staying organized. Uh, and yeah, that's really it. I, I think uh, you know I'm going to carry these values of, of not worrying too much about if this works or doesn't work. I think you know I just want to work off what I believe is right, and you know the mission behind what we're building is is definitely what I believe is right. As far as expansion for Breathwork goes in the future, um, you touched on the daily habits functionality that you're building out at the moment that will go live next week. Um, what else do you have yeah. planned? What's in the pipeline? Work we have very simple, easy to follow exercises that are between a minute and 10 minutes long. And with that, there's, like I said before, we, we're doing the thing of daily habits where we're giving people these minute long exercises that do at different times of the day to achieve different states of being. Um, going to expand the, the length of, of lessons and the length of sessions um there are different forms that is longer form content um so we will have you know different voiceovers different kinds of musicians we're working with um to make these longer form lessons too and then along with that we want to have master so we're bringing on content development experts whether that be within sleep whether that be with anxiety with athletic performance um to really help create this premium product that we're trying to push out there as far as breath work and the way we see it, we see just the app being, you know, one part of what we're trying to build. We're really trying to be a fully integrated um, um, direct consumer brand. Um, we're really trying to go to this vertical of breathing and, and to, you know, check all the boxes and do everything right and to really push the industry. And by doing that, you know, we see ourselves order stores in the future kinds of products that, you know, can track your heart rate and can, you know, see your your heart rate and your blood and your, and your oxygen levels move and change over time as you do our breathing exercises. And some stuff like that will become sooner than later. Um, and then also in the future we see ourselves having different kinds of um, whether that be a light that that you know breathes and has these different colors for breathing patterns that you can carry around with you, or devices that you can you know work on blowing through to slow your breathing down, we see ourselves being fully uh, integrated into everything breathing, um, and you know kind of being known as the best in breath. 
And in order to do that, we have a responsibility of, you know, finding the best knowledge, the best science, working with the best people out there to do that. And, you know, that's how we plan to achieve it. doing everything right and, you know, getting across all these different categories and, and um, you know, pushing out breath to the world. Exhaling. <laughs> best. Yeah. Best in breath is a very exciting mission and a very um a very bold one. I guess we should give um we should give people listening um a bit of a taste of of breathwork and how it works. Would you be open to guiding? Yeah, I love to take uh, uh, breathwork exercise before we finish. Do up two exercises. So let's do. We can start with a calming exercise and then we'll do a more awakening one. So we'll start with the calming one to feel how you can lower your heart rate and your blood pressure and feel more present. So easy. If we're, you're sitting down, you can sit up, um, you know, put a hand put your hand on your chest and your left hand on your belly and just kind of notice your breathing and how you're breathing right now. So take a big, deep breath in. And what most noticed and um, I use all the time, then the hand on your chest is actually, your right hand is actually moving more than your left hand. And that's actually not the best way to breathe. That's called an improper breath. And we're supposed to be breathing vertically um, but horizontally. Doing that, that means your, your stomach's actually supposed to inhale. So next time you take a big deep breath in, try to push your belly out for your in, back in for your exhale. So get used to that for a second. In on the exhale. Yeah, that actually um, you know, creates a suction in your diaphragm, which brings oxygen into your lungs. And it's actually the way that we're, we're meant to breathe um, is with you know our diaphragm and not with our chest. So a lot of us breathe with our chest and that's improper. So let's now that we know how to breathe, let's do an exercise to breathe properly. So this one is you know in the app, we call it the common breath and it's really, really simple. So you continue to help assist you through it, put a hand in your chest and a hand in your stomach and breathe into your belly for a count of four seconds. And then we do, we're gonna exhale for a count of six. So guide us through it. So inhale two, three, four, and exhale slowly, five, four, three, two, one. Inhale, two, three, four, and exhale, five, four, three, two, one. And inhale, two, three, four, and exhale, five, four, three, two, one. And one more inhale, two, three, four, and exhale for eight, seven, six, four, three, two, one. And that was just a simple, easy, calming breathing exercise that it's one of the first exercises that I learned. Um, and it always helps me just feel more grounded and more present. And is you know at the end of it i actually extended the exhale because the longer you exhale actually that you can feel from it but in the beginning when you're first learning and first exhaling it's a little bit tough to exhale for long periods of time so it takes some getting into so that's why i kind of transitioned through that how are you feeling i feel great that's my uh my second um <laughs> my second uh breathwork for the day um i um there's there's a few little um i guess a few little places that um i just touch on like through through the app um that i find like the calming section for me um 
once I realized that I, you know, in certain, I, I guess in certain situations that I would tend to head towards the chest to breathe. Um, and I spoke about mouth breathing before, mm -hmm. which I guess is another like version of, of improper breath. Um, and one of the biggest benefits of breathing deeply through the, like the diaphragm, diaphragmatic breathing, um, but then also breathing through your nose, um, I think it might be, I, I forget what the chemical is, but breathing in and out through like through your nose using, using mm. the nasal pathways actually releases different, different chemicals in your brain than it does through the mouth. So as much as it's important that you're doing the duration of, of the breath exercises, um, one of the things in the app is every breath actually has its own little info thing. And it tells you whether you should be breathing through your nose or through your mouth or if we're sniffing or deep breathing, um, which I, I think obviously all of those things are, are really important for people to be across as well. Um, what I will do is I'm going to put some links in the show notes um, to firstly to the app store, to the breathwork app, um, to the breathwork website um, and all of your relevant social medias. Amazing. Um, I'll, um, I'll drop a, a link to your LinkedIn as well. Um, it's obviously such a, a great race resource for people to, um, to get a feel for um, the team and everything that's going on behind the scenes as well. Um, they can mm. duck onto the, um, duck onto the, um, the TikTok channel, which I guess is, um, is I, what did I see True. last week? Um, I saw behind the scenes in your office, um, the, um, the breathwork studio that you've got built there. Um, so that's a real cool little way as well. If you've loved, um, if you love sort of what Max has been talking about, um, and want to get an idea of sort of the team and the mission and everything that's going on breathwork, um, I'd highly encourage you jumping on the, um, jumping on the TikTok account as well for a bit of sort of behind the scenes kind of action there. Should we, should we go through one more exercise before we leave? Um, have you done stimulate before? I don't know <laughs> if I've done, is stimulate the sniffing one? Yeah, uh, as you know, it's a, a sniffing one. And I think we should both do it at the same. People at home can follow it with us. So let's try to sniff as loud as we can and exhale. Uh -huh. But the, the guy behind this is you sniff in for four times and then you exhale for four seconds. So it's a... <sighs> you do that for five cycles and... I guarantee you'll feel something or some type of way after that. <laughs> you, you ready to start? definitely feel like I definitely feel in instantly that of um, you know just deepen my breathing obviously um, when we're sitting here and, and recording obviously being quite quite sedentary I've been you know fully in my my rest and restore breath and I actually I noticed when you guided us through the the calming nice. breath at the start <laughs> that I was actually already breathing out of my belly um, you know I was obviously in such a relaxed state as we're, as we're sitting here but you, you feel instantly different
Um, I use the, and I don't know what it's called on your app. Um, I, I apologize, but it's something that we use in yoga a lot um, where you alternate the, the two um, mm-hmm. using your nose and you, you hold your yeah. nostril. Um, I've used that one as well. Um, yeah, so that that works with the focus one. That one's really good. Um, yeah, so we're still developing most of the performance ones. ones. A lot of the performance ones are based off breath retention. So um, creating a, a higher tolerance to CO2. Um, what's surprising and actually most people don't know is that your urge is not based on you not having oxygen in your lungs. It's actually based on you having too much CO2 in your lungs. So if you're actually able to increase your tolerance to CO2, you can hold your breath for longer. So what we do in performance ones is a lot of them are box breathing and, and ones to help you um, become more tolerant to CO2. And what most people know is, you know, when you're running or working out and you're, you're performing, um, the reason why you have to stop is not really your legs or your body, your arms give out. It's because you can't breathe. Your, your, your breath gives out. So by increasing your tolerance to CO2, you can actually increase your and also on the flip side of increasing your tolerance to CO2 and putting yourself in a more hypoxic state, you're able to um, increase um, increase your actually red blood cell count. So when you lower the amount of oxygen in your blood for short periods of time, you actually increase the amount of, of red blood cells being produced um, by your body. And by having more red blood cells, you're actually able to you know oxygenate more parts of your body because red blood cells carry oxygen to your cells. Um, so it's, it's amazing what you can do with, with breath holding and, and breath tolerance increasing your tolerance to co2 so that's kind of what the performance section is about should we work through a um a basic like maybe what do you recommend like a four by four by four kind of box for um for someone at home or one of the best breath holds is yeah um, we call it uh, recharge so it's the four by four by four um and then we have the pre-game one which is one you can do actually pre and post game so it's actually this so inhale for six hold for six exhale for six hold for six that is a definitely more advanced one. So you definitely want to be doing some recharge before you go into that one. Um, but yeah, definitely highly recommend both of those. Thank you for your time today, Max. It's been an incredible insight into your journey with Breathwork so far, obviously personally um, and also in, in the business sense. Um, I know for one, I'm very, very excited to see, um, see the future. I'll be tuning in definitely next week um, to see the daily habits release and look forward to using that functionality. Um, but I think obviously with, with bricks and mortar um, and, and a lot of other, you know, a lot of other things in the future, it's going to be an incredible journey. And, um, you know, you have, you have my full support. I completely believe in the product. And I think, you know, everyone that listens to the first, even if they only tune into the first 15 minutes and they hear how passionate you are about, about breath work and, and bringing change in people's lives through this medium, um, you know, are going to be, are going to be drawn to using the product. And obviously, um, you know, that mantra being the best in breath. Um, I think it's something you guys obviously live in part in the pun, but you live and breathe, um, every day. So <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been, it's been great to have a chat. Um, and I look forward to um, to catching up and, and recording another one of these, you know, prospectively in a few <laughs> months and, and see how things are going. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Jack. No worries. Thanks for your time again, Max. Thank you for tuning in to Radio by Jack Roberts. We look forward to bringing you another episode next Monday at 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Until then, you can always subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or anywhere you get your podcasts. If you'd like to keep up to date with radio, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Radio by Jack Roberts. 
you can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Jack Roberts 8 or just type in Jack Roberts on LinkedIn.